creatures of habit. The table was not where I thought it would be. Um, went looking for it and it was right there. <clears throat> hey, wasn't it great to have our young people lead us this morning in worship? Isn't that cool? What a, what a cool Father's Day thing. Good job, guys. Um, that was great. I don't know about you, but I love a good how-to guide. In the early days of the pandemic, uh, when we pretty much were all just kind of stuck at home, I, I spent a fair bit of time on YouTube watching woodworking projects. Because it was so comforting to me when everything was changing every day, right? Well, we're going to do this. Nope, we're going to do this. Oh, we're going to do this. Nope, we're going to do this. Like all the time. And it was so comforting to me to watch someone start a project and finish it in 20 minutes <laughs> on budget. Like, I was just like, it was balm for my soul. But I also like learning, like, oh, that's how you do that. That's really cool, you know, because I'm not any good at it, but I like it, you know, uh, just being out in the garage and, and doing that. And so I, there, I, when I saw this book a lot of years ago in a bookstore, I had to have it. It's the Action Heroes Handbook. And it's, it's, it's a how to catch a great white shark, perform the Vulcan nerve pinch, track a fugitive, and dozens of other TV and movie skills. I was like, I have to have this book, right? Because it's a how-to guide on how to be an action. Because you, you don't know. You never know. You might have to do this stuff. You know, it's good to be prepared. Uh, so, like, well, what, what if, just say, what if... You had to climb down the face of Mount Rushmore. It, people go there. It could happen, right? Like, you don't know. Well, there's a, this tells you how to do it, right? Step one, use the proper grips, right? And they teach you, like, how do you do the pinch and how to do the crimp, you know? They talk about how to do those things. Step two, do not panic. <laughs> Check. <laughs> Step three, down climb the more featured rock, the hair, the sideburns, the eyes. So where there are more features, that's the part where you should go down. Okay, good to know. Step four, friction climb on the smoother rock. And you, you've seen them do this, right, where they put their foot up on it and they kind of shimmy up or down, you know, where you just kind of brace your back against the thing. And that's, so that's step four, okay. Step five, rest in an outcropping or an ear. <laughs> And there's a map, <laughs> right? So you go down Jefferson's hair onto Washington's hair and then kind of go down his ear and then onto his coat and then under Jefferson's chin and Roosevelt's chin down just right up beneath Lincoln's beard and then you traverse back. That's, now you know. If you ever go, huh? Simple, piece of cake. I can do that, right? Just, it's, it's easy. It's, it's just like loving each other. It's easy, right? Yeah. You're like, okay, see, there's no how-to guide for that. Oh, I can assure you that there is. It's right here. <laughs> Open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. 1 John 4, 7 is where we're going to be today. Thank you so much for those of you who are here in the room uh, with us in person today. For those watching online, joining us virtually, thanks for logging in. Take a second, fill out your connection card, whether you're here in the room or online. It really helps us stay connected with you. Um, happy Father's Day to all the dads and granddads and, and the men who have stepped into that role uh, in uh, someone else's life. This is one of those days that some are rejoicing. It's their very first Father's Day. We've got some new fathers in the room. Maybe I have some watching online, you know. 
And for some of you, this is your first, father without, first Father's Day without your dad. And so it is this kind of bittersweet thing. And we, the Bible says to rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. And so we just, we do both in love today, right? Um, today is also the, the due date to bring back your baby bottles. See what I did there? Okay. Um, it's the, the, the day to bring that back, so hopefully you remember to do that. And then I want to urge you to be in prayer for a couple of our Chapel Rock families. Um, our brother Dean Dickinson went to be with the Lord this week. And so be in prayer for Jana and, and Derek. They're going to do a, just a family-only uh, service real soon because Derek is in Alaska. And so he's going to coordinate a trip, and they'll do a memorial service later that we'll let you guys know about when that, when that rolls around, okay? And then also uh, Pam Kohanek's dad, uh, Gordon Johnson, passed away. Uh, and so he's, he's up north. So please uh, be in prayer for the Kohanek family, um, you know, to have to, I mean, the day before, a couple, I think it was Friday. Um, so to have to spend Father's Day without your dad, I mean, like right on the heels, that's, that's tough. Uh, and so please, let, can we just take a second and pray for them? Lord, thank you for this day. We're grateful, Lord, for your goodness to us, thankful for your word. We just want to lift up the Dickinson family to you and the Kohanic family, Lord, Johnston family. Um, and we're just asking you to bless them, God, with your comfort. Uh, grateful, Lord, for the, the, the faith of these men and pray that you would um, help, help those uh, lean into that uh, through this time. Uh, pray that we as a church could come around uh, them and love and support them through this as well. We lift them up to you uh, for your uh, comfort and care. We pray these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. We're nearing the end of our series called Love, John, and we're looking at this first letter from the Apostle John to the church. He's writing to those that he knows and loves and is trying to help them live like Jesus in the world. And we know that John loves these people because he calls them beloved, like over and over and over again. He calls them dear children over and over and over again. And he uses a couple specific words in, in through this, these, these words of direct address. He uses the Greek word technion, which we translate little children, or dear, excuse me, dear children. And he uses the, the word agapetos, which we would translate beloved, or the NIV translates dear friends. And it's kind of a structural device when it talks about when he's either bringing up a new idea or reemphasizing one he's already talked about. And he's going to use the latter term, agapitas, which we would translate beloved, or the NIV translates it dear friends, twice in our letter today. John writes, dear ones, love each other. This is the apostle that Jesus loved, the disciple Jesus loved, and he's telling us, love each other. I think we ought to listen. And I think it's an appropriate thing to talk about on Father's Day because every father, especially if you've got more than one kid, <laughs> uh, who has ever walked the face of the earth has said some combination of these words at some point. Would you just get along? <laughs> Do not make me pull this car over, right? I will, I will stop this car on the side of the road, and you're going to get a spanking on I-44. So ask me how I know that. Um, <laughs> he's saying, just love each other. And, and, and the great thing is, he gives a guide. He tells us how. <laughs> so I want you to be watching for the word how as we read the text. All right? 
Look at this with me. 1 John chapter 4, starting at verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, beloved, since God so loved us, we also should or should also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. But if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. We know that we live in him and he in us. Or this is how, rather, excuse me. This is how we know that we live in him and he in us. He has given us of his spirit. And we have seen and testify that the father has sent his son to be the savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in him and they in God. There's this reciprocal nature to this. We'll talk about that. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how Love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence in the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. Boy, that gets you primed like, what, really? How's that work? Here's how. There's no fear in love. But perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, or whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. We just sang about that, right? Fear is a liar? Yeah. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother or sister. I've told you before that John's letters don't work like Paul's letters do. Paul's letters are very Western, right? They're very linear. Point A, point B, point C, sub point one, sub point A, right? They're, they're very, very linear. They, they go in that order. John's, West, John's letters are much more Eastern in the way that he thinks. It, it's like ripples in a pond. He takes this idea, this truth, and he chucks it out in the middle of, of, of the pond, and it just kind of ripples out. And so it sounds sometimes to us like, man, he's just repeating himself over and over and over again. He's not. Well, I mean, he is. But he, he's coming back to this theme. It, the ripple is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and, and we're going to see ripples here. We did see even of his, of his gospel. He, he kind of quotes himself from earlier, right? Here, here's what I think that, that John is putting in the foreground today. Here's today's big idea. Do you know what our Father God wants for Father's Day? He wants his kids to love each other. And he shows us how. You know, Debbie and I were talking about this week, this week that, you know, most guys want the same thing for Father's Day. They, they, they just want to be around their kids. They want their kids to get along. You know, like, I, I don't need another tie. I'm, I'm good. Thanks. You know, I'm, I'm set. 
Uh, I, don't, don't, I don't like wearing them anyway, so it's, it works out good. Um, you know, I, I just we, last night we did, because we're sending the kids off to camp today, and it's, it's kind of a crazy afternoon for us, so we did Father's Day stuff yesterday, and we, had, we grilled out, and we just kind of did some stuff around the house, and it was great. I just got to be with my kids around the table. That was, that's all I wanted. That was fantastic. God wants his kids to love each other, and, and because of that, he shows us how. You saw that phrase, right? This is how. This is how. In the original Greek text of this letter, it's a two-word phrase. It's, it's the phrase en tauta. And if you translate it literally, it means in this. That's the literal translation. But what it means in context is by means of or by way of, in this way. John is telling us, and his dearly loved friends, he says, listen, here's a how-to guide for loving one another. Right? And this how-to guide has two parts. Here's the first part. Show and tell. You show and tell. Now, by show of hands and online people, you can type me in the chat if you want to. How many of you remember show and tell day from school? Right? Oh, I mean, I, as a kid, I love show and tell day. It was awesome. Looking back on it now, as an adult, I think my teachers were nuts to allow this to happen because you don't know. I mean, what an incredible combination of courage and fortitude it must have taken for these teachers to say, yeah, bring in whatever and let's just see what happens, right? Um, and, <laughs> and we're going to combine two of people's worst fears at once, public speaking and being made fun of for something you like that no one else thinks is cool. Like, yeah, let's combine that. That's great. Um, but John is telling us that God is the ultimate lover of show and tell. That's how God loves us. It's show and tell. John begins by telling us that love comes from God. Now remember, he's having this internal debate with people who were part of this church community that were trying to claim that they were born of God. You know, but they didn't practice love for the other people in the church. They thought they could say that they had a relationship with God without loving the other people around them. And John's like, no, you, you can't do that. He's trying to connect an authentic expression of Christianity with the character and nature of God. He says God is, by his essence, a lover. It's who he is. God is love. Now, some have taken that to say God doesn't care about righteousness. You can do whatever you want. No, John's already established that God cares about righteousness. What are the angels around the throne in heaven sing forever and ever and ever? Forever. They don't, so they don't sing love, 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 do they? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So when John says God is love, he's not saying that God doesn't care about holiness. He's not saying that God isn't holy. He's also the same one who wrote about what the angels said, right? But he's saying that God, part of God's essence is love. Everything God does is motivated by love. Even when God allows you to go through hardship. It is motivated by love for you. He's either trying to form the image of Christ in you. God did not spare his own son hardship, by the way. Worth noting. Even when he allows you to go through hardship, what motivates him is love. Okay? He's telling us God is love. And so he says this is how God put love on display. He sent his only son into the world to die on the cross in our place for our sins. Sound familiar? 
There's very much this kind of ripple of John 3.16 in this text. I think it's significant. John is referencing the gospel that he wrote prior to this letter. He's already told the community this truth. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. He's, he's already told them this. And so he's hoping to explain that that's how God showed what love is. True Christian love will always have both components Right? It will clearly communicate love in word and in deed. You're going to have an opportunity to do that in about six weeks, a few of you at least. Uh, next week in your bulletin, you're going to see an announcement for volunteers for the Flapjacks 5K, uh, something that the Chapel Rock has been part of since the very first year. We provided race volunteers to help people stay on track, and it's, we, we need probably 15 or 20 folks um, to, to do that. It's a really cool way to connect with the community. To, I mean, it just you'll meet hundreds, literally hundreds of people in the community will, will walk or run right by you. <laughs> and you can, you can, hey, great job, good job, keep it up, keep going. You know, you can encourage them, you can love them in a practical way. And y'all, we're getting really close. Uh, the state approved a grant. They're going to build out this, the B&O Trail that runs right along the southern edge of our property, and they're going to help connect this community in incredible ways. Probably within the next, I would imagine within the next 12 months, we're going to see work beginning out here to pave that trail. It's going to be awesome. I'm super excited about it. And you've got just a really practical way to, to show and tell love. And we've been talking a lot about love. I want to make sure you know what, I'm, what I mean when I use that word, all right? The word that John used that's translated love is it, there's a noun form and a verb form. You've probably heard these words before. Certainly the noun form, agape, one of the four main Greek words for love, right? The verb form, agapao, right? Together, those two words appear 27 times in these 15 verses that we read this morning. Over and over and over and over again. If you want to get a visual glimpse of this, just grab a highlighter and highlight every single time you see the word love or beloved if you're using an older translation. These, these, the, what the writers of the New Testament did is they took a word that wasn't used very much. So there are, there are three other words, right? There's storge, which is like, oh yeah, I love that. That's awesome, right? That's how we would use that word, right? There's uh, phileo, which is like family love. Like this is my son, whom I love, right? It's the relational word. There's eros, different kind of love. <clears throat> you, you get what word we get from that, right? So this is a love that is, is based on deep appreciation and high regard. They took a word that was kind of hollow, kind of empty, void, and they filled it with meaning. See, this is a love of the will. This is a love that says, I choose to love you. And one of the things that's really interesting in the, the whole New Testament, we are never commanded to love each other with any of the other three. It is only ever this one. The only way that we're commanded to love each other is with this love of the will. It's a love that says, I, I choose to love you. I'm going to act in a way that's loving toward you. I'm deciding this. And anyone who's been married for a little while knows that that's what that takes. Because eventually the honeymoon ends. And you have to decide to love that person. Maybe when they're not super lovable in that moment. One of the new things that the New Testament is totally clear on is that we are not natively worthy of God's love. He chooses to love us. He, 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 he tells us of his love for us, and then he shows us in the person of Jesus atoning death for us on the cross. 
And what verse 10 says is really important here. He says, not that we loved God, but that he loved us. He's saying that God's love for us is what defines what love is, not our love for him. It's a love that's generous. It's a love that's self-sacrificing. It's a love that's others-oriented. And I want you to hear about another example of this. Bill, would you join me, please? We're privileged today to have Bill Warren. He's executive director of FAME. FAME is one of our mission partners here at Chapel Rock. And they do, they are like, you, they will give a master class in how to show and tell love. Brother, thank you for being with us today. Appreciate that. Thank you. Absolutely. Would you tell the church what FAME does and, sure. and let us know what's going on there? Yeah, the first thing I need to say is just thank you. The, Chapel Rock has supported FAME for, for decades uh, long before you and I were around okay, here, yeah. and um, I looked it up this week, and this church has given over four hundred thousand wow, dollars to fame God. over the years. And I just want you to know what an impact that has had on so many people around the world. So thank you so much for that. You know, at the beginning of Jesus' ministry, he had the the twelve men that he he stayed with, and he he taught, and he he trained. In Luke chapter nine. When Jesus sent the 12 out for the very first time, it says he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Mm. And there's a pattern there. That's what Jesus did. That's what he instructed his followers to do. You see, Jesus knew that when people were sick and hurting and in need and you help them, that that creates opportunities for the gospel. It creates open minds and open hearts. And that model that Jesus used that he gave to the 12 is really what we do at Fame. We call it medical evangelism. It's using uh, healthcare and medicine as a strategy for evangelism and church planting. It's helping those in need. It's showing the love of God to people who need help and creating opportunities then to share the message of Christ with those people. So FAME, you, you may or may not know this, FAME's a little different from some other mission organizations. We don't have any staff overseas. We don't operate hospitals and clinics overseas. Everything is done through partnerships. So in the last 12 months, we have partnered with over 65 different mission organizations in over 30 different countries who are using medical evangelism to show the love of God to the people where they live. So we support those partners three different ways I want to tell you real quickly. The first is we support what we call sustainable health care projects. Uh, this is a picture I took in February of 2020, right before the world shut down. <laughs> yeah. And there, this was a foundation that had been set up for a brand new clinic in southeast India. And much to my surprise, in spite of the pandemic, in spite of the, the lockdown and all the, uh, all the problems, uh, during the pandemic, they built this clinic. The next picture will show us uh, what it looks like on the inside and it's finished. Now they are using that to uh, provide medical care and to share the gospel uh, in that place. Uh, this is a, a Facebook post that I copied from a friend of mine in, in northern Burma. In the remote mountain area, there's this little town called Patau, and uh, Fame helped them build a clinic there a number of years ago. He says, thank you, Fame, for your partnership to establish the Mulashidi Hospital in Patau 10 years ago. Now it is going well, self-sustaining, without receiving foreign help. That's wow. the goal. Amen. I got to visit the Mulashidi Hospital, and the day I was there, there were Burmese doctors and Burmese dentists 
uh, helping people in need. The, the, it's, it looks like a, a big house. The front porch was crowded with people who were waiting, and there's a Burmese pastor preaching the gospel to the people sitting on the porch waiting to get in, telling them about the love that God has for them. And uh, so we have projects like that going in a number of different uh, places this year and uh, for, for all for that same purpose of medical evangelism. The second thing is that we operate a warehouse over on the southeast side of India. We get donations of medical equipment supplies. We process, process those, send them to our partners all over the world for them to use uh, in that work. Last year, you can see we made 132 shipments to 27 different countries. Um, the, the next slide shows a picture of a group of volunteers who have loaded a container and they put their hands on that container and they prayed that it would get there safely, that it wouldn't get stuck in customs and all of that, but they prayed for medical evangelism. They prayed that people would experience the love of God when they came to a clinic or a hospital uh, to, to receive help that they would get more than just the physical help. The third thing that we do is we put together teams of medical and non-medical folks to go on short-term mission trips. There's a group from Chapel Rock that went to Brazil uh, last year. Uh, this picture, uh, if we can go back one, this picture was taken in Colombia just a few weeks ago. And I think there's a group from here planning to go to Colombia next year. But this is uh, a doctor, it's, it's in a courtyard of an elementary school on a Sunday afternoon, just talking to people, helping them physically, but praying with them, sharing the love of God with them. And um, so you'll have an opportunity to, uh, to, to be a part of that. Um, there are a number of ways that you can be a part of the work of, of fame, by praying, by giving, by volunteering. Uh, you know, I mentioned our, our warehouse, which is in Indianapolis, Which not India. In... You said India. Did I really? You really did. <laughs> I just want to wow. make sure that they know the drive, right? Like it's... Our warehouse is in Indianapolis. Okay, good. <laughs> wow. I don't think I've ever You're, done that you before. Got, you got stuff all over the wow. world. It's, uh, totally understandable. Yep. Our warehouse is in <laughs> Indianapolis. And um, most of the work in our warehouse is done by volunteers. Hmm. And uh, we would love for some of you to come over and join us and get your hands dirty and just really get a feel for what this work is all about. Uh, it would be a blessing to you, I think. It would certainly be a blessing to us. Uh, we have a um, little display out in the lobby. We'd love to talk to you in between services and uh, just see how we can work together, how we can partner together to show the love of God to people around the world who are hurting and in need. So Thank you very much. You're welcome. How can we be praying for you? You know, we are just um, really getting back to something close to normal as far mm -hmm. as mission trips. Yeah. And um, we have had uh, people test positive for COVID immediately after returning from trips, mm -hmm. including uh, people in the room okay. <laughs> right now. Yeah. And including... <laughs> part of our staff, yeah. um, but we've never had anybody test positive while they were outside the country. Mm. And um, so I, I would appreciate prayers just for protection, yeah. you know, that, that we wouldn't be afraid to go, but that God would protect us when we go. Mm -hmm. that, that, that 
would be a big thing. Okay, let's do that. Yeah. God, thank you for Bill. Thank you for fame and for their ministry around the world. Lord, we just ask your hand of protection on those who uh, are beginning to, to move out again uh, after uh, two years of this global pandemic. And we just ask, Lord, that you would um, shield them from uh, sickness and illness that could, could really incapacitate a trip. We, we know, God, that you are the, the great physician and that you are leading uh, these uh, fame associates, God, around the world uh, to uh, share health care in Jesus' name and then use that to open a door for the gospel. And so we pray, Lord, that you just keep them healthy. And we ask these things, Lord, in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate it. Would you express your appreciation for Bill being here? That's a great show and tell, right? That's the show and tell love. Today is also Juneteenth. Today commemorates really the, the, the last and kind of final announcement of emancipation to slaves uh, in Texas in 1865. It was June 19th, 1865, kind of when the last news went out. There was one other little thing that happened later with some Native Americans, but... Um, but this is pretty much is the commemoration where everyone heard the news that you're free. And um, it, it's a special day. And it's now a new federal holiday. And so here's an opportunity, church, <laughs> to show and tell love on Juneteenth. We, we have to speak the truth in love about past injustices and listen well in love to those who suffer from present injustice. And, and try to draw all together around the person and work of Jesus. True Christian faith means we have to do both. That's the first part of the how-to of love. Here's the second, to live without fear. Live without fear. The next part of the guide on how to love is to live without fear. Now, there's nowhere where the text says that directly. I'm trying to synthesize what we read in verse 13 through 21. Basically, John begins by talking about um, abiding in Christ, having life in Christ, this reciprocal abiding, that, that Christ abides in you, he lives in you, and therefore you live in Christ. And that indwelling, that presence of Jesus in you through his spirit is proof that God lives in us. A further proof is that we have the life of our heavenly Father in us, and therefore his love in us through the presence of the Spirit. John says, if you acknowledge that Jesus is who the Bible says he is, the second person of the triune Godhead in bodily form who died on the cross in your place for your sins, if you acknowledge that, John says, then you also acknowledge your need for God's love and his salvation, which in, in John's mind, in the Spirit's mind, means that you're orthodox in your faith until God lives in you. What John is describing is the life of Christ. And as the Spirit enables us to live this life, he takes away our fear. And listen, I've been around long enough to, to learn that most of the time that we don't love God and love others well is because we're afraid of something. We're afraid of not being confident. So we have a few glasses of liquid courage. And it changes us into somebody that we're not. And then before long, we don't know who we are without it. We're afraid of not having our physical urges met. And so we allow our gaze to linger on the profane. And before long, the sacred no longer has any appeal. We're afraid of our world changing in ways we don't understand. So we lash out in unjust anger at people we barely know. And we slam shut a door of evangelism. And we do these things because of fear. 
And John is telling us that love takes away fear. Can you get hurt by loving other people? Yes. Not only, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. It's going to happen. As I recall, Jesus got hurt because he loved others. In fact, John is telling us that is the way of Jesus. I want to read you a couple quotes from C.S. Lewis. He just such a gift, and, and he just says it better than me. I, I love this. This is from his book, The Four Loves, where he actually kind of talks about some of the same things we talked about earlier. He says, to love at all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. You love, you're going to get hurt. And then in his book, The World's Last Night and Other Essays, he writes about this idea of perfect love casting out fear. He says, perfect love, we know, casts out fear, but so do several other things, Ignorance, alcohol, passion, presumption, and stupidity. Lewis doesn't mince words. He says, it's very desirable that we should all advance to that perfection of love in which we shall fear no longer, but it is very undesirable until we have reached that stage that we should allow any inferior agent to cast out fear. Do you get what he's saying? Don't let, don't let alcohol get rid of your fear. Don't, don't let passion or presumption or even stupidity do that. Instead, let love, because everything else is inferior to love. John wants you to have confidence on the day of judgment, and the only way to do that, he says, is to love. When you, well, listen, one day, that, if we're the part of that blessed generation that is still alive on earth when Christ comes again, one day you're going to hear a trumpet sound, and the sky is going to split, and that final scroll will be, uh, uh, final scroll will be unsealed, and, and you can greet the apocalypse with joy when you love. You can live without fear. Thomas Akempis wrote in The Imitation of Christ, He who loves God with all his heart dreads neither death, torment, judgment, not hell, for perfect love opens a sure passage to God. What would it be like, church, for you to live without fear? That's the second part of the how-to of love. You've got to show and tell love. And dads, your kids desperately need you to do both. They need you to show and they need you to tell. You need to tell your children that you love them. I don't know how many times over the last 20-some-odd years of ministry I've sat with men in my office and they tell me my dad never told me that he loved me. You got to tell them and then you got to show them. It's both. And then, secondly, to live without fear. To not be afraid of love. Are you going to get hurt? Yes, you're going to get hurt. Just get okay with that. It's going to happen. It happened to Jesus. What makes you think you're going to get off scot free? You're not. But we still need to do it. I got to see a great example of this principle in action this week with my own son, but with other men in the role of father to him. Deb brings our three little boys with her to help out at the food pantry. And they were here helping on Tuesday, and, and need, they needed to get some tools and a, a few propane tanks at Lowe's. And so the guys took my son, Evan, who's 10, with them to the hardware store. And they, they talked him through the tools that they were going to need to use. And then they brought him back, and they, they, they got all the stuff out, and, and then, you know... They put that boy to work assembling the cage because <laughs> he's little. I'm going to show you a picture. Look at this. Um, you know, I think we got it, right? Picture? No picture. It didn't make it in. Okay. I have a really cool picture of my son in a cage. Um, <laughs> I'll show you one day. Uh, here's the thing. I know for a fact 
that if I would have told Evan, I need you to go by yourself to Lowe's. Here's some money. Here's what you should buy. Ask the guy at the counter, and he will tell you. And here's the get these tools. And then you got to walk back down 10th Street to our house and, and the church and put them together. He would have been terrified out of his mind. And no good father would ever have his son do that. But he had these men with him. This is what we do. This is how we do it. This is, this is how you use this tool. And he came home. That kid was on cloud nine. His chest was 19 sizes bigger than normal. And he was really sure we needed to go to Lowe's, and he was going to tell me what tools I needed to buy. <laughs> tell your mother. Um, yeah, that's, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> I, but it was such a great thing. It was such a great example. He would have been terrified to do it by himself, but because he had these people loving him, no fear. I'm going to climb in that cage and I'm going to put it together. I'm going to serve. I'm going to serve God's people in love without fear because somebody loves me. Church, what if we did that? What if we did that? What if we so loved each other and so loved our community that we could serve and, and love without fear? I think that's what John is calling us to. He's saying, dear ones, love each other. And here's the thing. He showed us how. <laughs> you show and tell love. You live without fear. Jesus' love for us is both the motive for and the method of our love for each other. You know what God our Father wants for Father's Day? He wants his kids to love each other, and so he shows us how. You love your heavenly Father, then you're going to have to love your brother and sister in Christ. But to do that, you're going to need the Spirit abiding in you. If you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, you're lacking a critical tool that you need to do that job. And so in just a second, we're going to stand and sing together, and you're invited to come forward as we do. If you've never given your life to Christ, to, to, to do that, to acknowledge him as Savior and Lord, and be baptized and wash away your sin, I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Maybe you need prayer. We'd be happy to pray with you today. But we're going to stand and sing together, and you respond as God leads you.